of the traditional universal monsters, the ones we see with Dracula, the Wolfman, Swamp Thing, all those other things, if you were to build an entire campaign around one of them, who would it be? For me, it's Swamp Thing. We are so horribly undersupported on Swamp Thing level threats and monsters. You got your Shambling Mound and that's really about it. The classic horrors, like you're talking the old universal horrors. Yeah. We need mummy shit. Give me more mummy shit. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say mummies as well because like one of my favorite movies is Baba Hotep and that did mummies properly. Did he? I, I don't know how to respond to that. You just shake your chin at him and he'll be happy apparently. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on Dungeons & Dragons lore. I'm Adam, and with me today are Dan and Dave, unfortunately. And this episode is called Ravenloft, Horror Domains You Might Have Missed, but it's spelled M-I-S-T, which everyone will understand is a pun in the future. That's a call forward. The jokes will come to fruition in the next hour and 45 minutes. Oh, good. I almost missed that one. Yeah. yeah. So we've previously covered all sorts of locations in D&D 5th edition, including Waterdeep, Icewind Dale, and Chult, Barovia and the Shadowfell, the Feywild and the Astral Sea, the Underdark, the Lower Plains, and even Eberron, Ravnica, and Theros. You can find all these episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on D&D lore that we've built there. This episode, though, is going to focus on Ravenloft and the Domains of Dread, as published in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. This isn't our first foray into the Shadowfell, and I'm eager to stomp around this setting and see what kind of horrors await us. So guys, let's jump in, because I have been eyeballs deep in horror all week. Those are the better balls to be deep in horror with. Horror. Or what? <laughs> Do you guys know anything about Ravenloft? Nothing, not a zero. Not, I don't even know much about the Shadowfell. Ah, uh, fuck ton. I am a proud owner of the Mint Condition, like, 1980s campaign setting. Okay. Yeah. So, Dave, you're coming in totally blind. You haven't even played Curse of Strahd, right? No, nothing. I, I got nothing. You are, you're just a little vampire virgin there, aren't you, bud? Uh, yes. Thanks for not getting any deeper into that. You're welcome. Yeah. So, in 1978, Tracy Hickman of Dragonlance yep. fame... Uh, tried to make vampires make sense in D&D. How dare you? So he wrote a special setting with his wife, and they played it unofficially for a few years, keeping it as their own kind of personal Halloween special. But they finally decided to publish it properly, which means that since about 1983, good year, by the way. Um, I disagree. Two years later is better. Also disagree. Neither of you guys count. I'm not, I'm not like promoting myself here. You guys are. I just... Think you're both wrong. 1983 was a great year. 19, 1985 is when uh, Super Mario came out. So, I mean. So, Ravenloft has been around since AD&D. Okay? It has been around as one of the longest campaign settings that has existed. Clearly longer than Eberron, which is a 3.5. What's Eberron? And uh, Ravnica and Theros as well, which are Magic the Gathering that have really only been around less than a decade each. So, Ravenloft is probably... The oldest setting that we've seen besides, I mean, the dabbling of Greyhawk in Saltmarsh. I mean, Forgotten Realms in and of itself is fairly old. It's been it's been around since mid-early 80s as well. Yeah, people just forget about it. Yes. Including the publishers, apparently. Yeah. But that's beside the point. Anyway, in the year 2000, when uh, Wizards of the Coast took over, it licensed Ravenloft to White Wolf Publishing. Really? Yep. 
Those are the who Vampire had the Masquerade guys. Yep, they had it until 2005. And uh, they were allowed to re-release their back stock, the stuff that they had previously published, up until 2006. But there were a bunch of revisions to it due to copyright claims. And during that time, because they couldn't include things like uh, Beholders and whatnot, because that's D&D property. During that time, Van Richten became a major focus because Strahd was still under the D&D purview. So it was Ravenloft without Strahd under White Wolf Publishing. I would be incredibly interested to view those books. It's honestly not regarded very highly by anyone who's seen it. Fortunately, Wizards of the Coast got it back again. In 4th edition, that's when it went from being its own separate campaign setting, which was all gothic horror and vampires, werewolves and Frankenstein monsters, to just becoming a part of the Shadowfell, where it still remains today, kind of. It's very strange. This is its own unique campaign setting that was released in this book that has its own special rules within it. However, it's also kind of attached to the Shadowfell, which is also kind of attached to the Forgotten Realms. And as a matter of fact, when you start Curse of Strahd, you can start it in the Forgotten Realms and end up in Barovia. Yeah, and and that's even a lot looser than uh, you see with uh, Avernus, right? Where you start in Baldur's Gate and then eventually end up on another plane in a demi-plane of the plane, right? With being in the first level of the nine levels of hell. This is very much a, you are in the Forgotten Realms and now you're not, right? It's very sudden. Um, at least in Baldur's Gate, you get to kick the can around a little bit first before you move on. And also in Descent into Avernus, they are telegraphing that, that you will be in the Nine Hells, right? Yeah. Instead of just, you literally open a door and dis- discover that you are no longer in the Forgotten Realms on the Sword yeah. Coast anymore. So, um, depending on whether or not you went through Death House. Yeah. Right? Can so, I just hate, say I hate that it's part of the Shadowfell? I think it's unnecessarily confusing. It, had they renamed a couple of things, it would be a little bit easier. The fact that it is called Ravenloft, however, the castle that Strahd lives in is also called Castle Ravenloft, and it's named after his, I want to say, father? Uh, or mother, one of the two, yeah. Barovia and Ravenloft are named after his mother and father. I can never remember which way it goes. Yeah. Right? So go listen to the Shadowfell episode. I think we talked about it in that one. Here's what we do know about the Shadowfell. It's run by Dark Powers. And that's all we know about them. Up until this book. At which point they gave us precious fucking little from there. So, here's what we do know. The Dark Powers are amoral guardians that trap other powerful evil beings in small demiplanes off specifically the Plane of Shadow. That's what they call it in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. I had to go to the DMG, to the Plains area... In order to find the entry on the Shadowfell, which talked about the domains of dread in there. So they, they're splitting hairs a little bit here so that it doesn't have to be the Forgotten Realms. Well, outside of Curse and Strahd and the Ravenloft book, the only mentions of the Dark Lords we see are briefly in the DMG. And then a part of the Hexblade text for Warlocks and Xanathars. Right, where it says they get their powers from the Dark Lords and the Dark Powers of the Shadowfell. Was it was that one of the Undying? No, or? it's the Hexblade. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, there are a couple other Shadow subclasses that I think mention Dark Powers and things as well. Now, are they amoral or immoral? Amoral. Okay, so they don't necessarily have to be evil then. They are just... Well, wait for it. Okay. Because 
This is specifically where the misery and wickedness of the tier three level bad guys in D&D are kept. These are not your gods. These are your super villains mm-hmm. or have been shunted off here, usually after they've died and they're being tormented for all eternity, but not always. Sometimes they can just be scooped up in the middle of some horrible deed and dumped into one of these small demi-planes uh, off the quote-unquote plane of shadow. So it's in here that they're kept from the rest of the multiverse. This is a kind of like a jail, a prison for them. Anyone who is trapped in one of these demi-planes with them is considered a necessary sacrifice. Which explains why Curse of Strahd is so difficult to just leave Barovia. You can't, right? Well, yeah, you absolutely cannot. These are... It's funny. It, it mentions Barovia in this book, and it is one of the demiplanes listed, but it's not really focused on whatsoever. It gets the same kind of um, attention that the others get, even though Strahd is on the fucking cover. And it's called Ravenloft. It's called Ravenloft. Also, do you know that Strahd was the first vampire in D&D lore? The very first one. The very first one. And so that is why he is so focused upon, and there are other minor domains of dread, we'll get into this, that also kind of wink at Strahd and and give the quote-unquote first vampire a little bit of attention. Okay. So the other things that we know is that uh, about these dark powers is that they're evil architects of conspiracies of woe and dread and misery. Sometimes the torturing of these, these supervillains, which are called... Dark Lords. So there's Dark Powers and there's Dark Lords. So sometimes when when they get trapped in these um, little realms, the Dark Powers feed off of their misery and dread. Sometimes they get entertained by it. And sometimes they're just looking to swell their ranks to make these Dark Lords become more evil and join them. Mm-hmm. Because these Dark Powers are officially the undying remnants of evil deities and demigods. Interesting. None of them are named. You don't get any information about any specific one of the dark powers. They are just the remnants of, the echoes of these evil deities and demigods that have fallen. I like that. That's neat for the idea of long-term campaigns and yep. what you can do with like legacy characters and stuff. Well, there are also amber sarcophagi littered throughout the domains of dread that hold pieces of the dark powers' power. Okay, so if you have like an evil campaign where you're being hired by one of these guys to romp through one of the domains of dread to unlock their well, they, amber sarcophagi, they operate behind the scenes. You're never going to get hired by one of them. They will just influence the world around you and have a dark lord infect your dream with the idea that maybe you should go in this direction. They're super far removed from this. I mean, we're already talking about like the edgiest edge that ever edged. So, I mean, cultists. Also, right? Shadowy organizations. It is, it is interesting how few cults are mentioned in this book. That's a crime against mm-hmm. this book. No, it really fucking isn't. Because the rest of the Forgotten Realms is fucking lousy with cultists. And we have bitched more than once on this podcast about how there's too many cultists. That seems to be the default bad guy. There's no orc army bad guy. Yeah, that's There's fair. no slotty bad guy. So the fact that it's always cultists, I'm glad that they got away from that. There's a couple little mentions of them here and there, but they give us other ideas and options for organizations and governments and whatnot that mm-hmm. might be a little bit different for you. All right, uh, just to go back a second here, is an amber sarcophagus like a particular item or is it just an ambiguous, you can make it whatever you want? Why is it amber? Like, what's what's that about? Specifically says in one sentence in one part of the book, there are amber sarcophagi littered throughout 
the domains. So of you prayer. can just make these whatever you want. Uh, Pretty there, much. there are spells that are like storage spells, long-term storage spells yeah. that are they they come out as amber, right? Like amber has that that storage. It's kind of linked to them. Together. I mean, think yeah. Jurassic Park, right? Like sure. same reason. So that's there's mosquitoes in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why amber because okay. it's it's that uh, um, uh, pr- uh, preservation aspect of it sure. as well, right? Like dinosaurs would never have existed if they couldn't get the DNA out of the blood of the mosquito. Sure, it, the it just seemed like a very specific thing. So I was just yeah yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk for a second about the fact that there are these different domains of dread. Each one of them is separated by the mists in the Shadowfell. Now, just to be clear, and we're not focusing on this, the Shadowfell is its own kind of plane, its own realm, and you can walk around in the Shadowfell on the the dark echo of the material plane. That's not what these are. These are little demi-planes that have been shunted off into the mists that make up the borders, bear with me on this, the borders of this never-ending infinite plane. There's a lot of that level of stuff in when it comes to talking about like the infinite nothingness of the abyss, but here are the numbered layers. Yes, exactly. Right. right. So um, when we're talking about the mists, there are actually some things that you should know about wandering into them. Uh, the first thing is don't. <laughs> because you have to make a DC 20 constitution save or gain one level of exhaustion. Every. A creature that starts its turn in the mists. So every six seconds, you have to make a DC 20 con save or take one level of exhaustion. So you'll be dead in like 30 seconds. Yeah. Immobile and dying in 24. I can just imagine a barbarian walking through and then dropping and then popping back up and dropping and popping back up and dropping. Pretty much. (laughs) So also remember, if you're in the mist, you are always lost and you cannot retrace your steps. Sure. Everything is heavily obscured. And there's a D100 table on page 61 of Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft of other crazy shit that's going on in the mists. This is kind of like uh, Silent Hill on crack. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they make it so you can't walk through the mists, which of course means that people will try to do it. So they also give you what's going on in the mists beside this. But the idea here is that Generally speaking, there is no traveling through them without severe consequences. And wherever you end up will not be where you want to go. Hmm. And this isn't a matter of, well, I hold my breath so I'm okay. It's being in it. Yeah, you are permeated by the mists. So there are different domains of dread. These are pockets where things can exist. And it's like every time that there is a new supervillain, a dark lord, that um, is captured by the dark powers... They tend to spread the mists and create a specific domain, a very small realm, usually about the size of, let's say, um, a county. Okay. And it's about that big, and they it is specifically geared towards this specific Dark Lord. Hard stop, the end. The Dark Lord goes in there, that is their prison, and the mists will not invade this space. It's this little pocket that opens up okay. that nobody else can just get to. It's not like you can fly over the mists. Right, You just cannot get there unless the dark powers want you to get there or there's a specific ritual or some way to get there like the Vistani give you in Curse of Strahd. So here's what we know about the Domains of Dread. They're all finite. So these are not infinite realms. They are very much, like they, I said, the size of a county. They've got borders. Yeah, they're isolated, like I said, and each one holds a dark lord. These are considered cages. They're also very themed. 
So depending on your different kind of Dark Lord, you will have a different theme there. Strahd is a vampire. It is vampire theme. It is bats and wolves and gothic horror, a castle that sits on the cliff that oversees the village and everything you think of with Dracula, right? Yeah. Like, that is the theme. Each domain is considered its own plane. So spells like sending only work within a specific domain. You can't hop from one to another. Mm -hmm. No spell can help you escape. No planar shifting, teleportation, astral projection, or wish. Mordenkainen's Magnificent Mansion and other extra-dimensional spaces still work within the plane, but then it spits you back into the plane when you're done. Not even a wish gets you out of this. That's correct. That's messed up. That's because it's his deity-level powers, yeah. right? Um, it is recommended in the book that the cultural differences are highlighted by using different language barriers. Okay. And because there are a million freaking languages listed for the humans in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide, there's a lot of options out there. Or any average one of my characters. <laughs> no, ac it's not accents. It's languages. <laughs> no, sometimes the words get muddled enough. They could be another language, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also no shared geography, history, or culture. And time is tracked by full moons. For some strange reason, though, Wizards of the Coast says that each domain knows that it is the year 735, and year one is when the Von Zerovic family founded Barovia. Not when Strahd got sucked in, but when the Von Zerovic family founded Barovia, which existed on the material plane before it got sucked in to be its own specific domain of dread. So all of the domains of dread are based off of what Strahd's family did not straw no but Strahd's family the timeline in the Shadowfell in these domains of dread it's always the year 735 okay that's it it's like time kind of stopped and so then there's some of them that are stuck in an infinite loop so it will always be the year 735 for them huh so let's talk about the dark lords for a second we know that they're all evil they are villains they're also all prisoners and they're tormented by their own personal character flaw that keeps coming back to haunt them over and over again their own specific influence rules their domain but they're not necessarily the biggest threat in the domain they vary in threat level some of them are as easy to defeat as a level three monster hmm. they are active so they're not sleeping or away or locked up in a tower they're there they're dicking about you will bump into them but they don't realize they're a dark lord they don't realize that this is not the reality and how it should be. And they don't realize that they are immortal, living through this cycle over and over again. Interesting. I, I assume they deserve it. Yes, they are all very bad people. Um, it talks in the book about there being nightmare logic, malleable truths, and it says the domains of dread aren't shackled to the laws of reality. And it says that this flexibility is a powerful tool. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I would really use that sparingly i'm not going to have up is down and south is north and all that nonsense unless that is a factor within the domain itself gravity slightly uh lower so everybody weighs 20 percent less yeah sure like i'm not <laughs> i'm not dicking around with that stuff uh, but it does say that the dark lords have stat blocks and it specifically says they're not powerful they are the machine that runs the demiplane their will and their intention and their actions are what give the demiplane its purpose they're not necessarily the most dangerous or daunting opponent in their domain of dread. It's their plots that need to be undermined, 
not their hit points that need to be destroyed. If you do kill them, what happens? Their machine that, that they set up will continue to function. And over time, they will come back. They are immortal. Cool. Even killing Strahd... Won't destroy Barovia. Won't destroy Barovia. You can go home. His Its existence as a demiplane ceases for a little bit. But he will get raised again and pulled back. And Barovia will sink back into a demiplane. And the process, the cycle will start again. This is evil purgatory for all of these Dark Lords. Cool. All right. So let's grab our dice because I want to ask you guys. Does this grab your attention and excite you so far as a general idea of how this works? I got a 17. I got a 19. I got a 10. I'm going to last of the 10. All right, Dave. Uh, yeah, I like this. Uh, if you are the kind of DM that likes to have kind of just a rough outline and then build from there, this is absolutely wonderful. If you want to keep it fresh for your players all the time, this seems like a really good setting. Uh, if you want to, you know, maybe split them up and make them achieve their own little tasks in various plane like areas on their own this seems perfect like there's a there's a lot to work with here i like the concept of uh isolated demi planes that are small have their own little thing it's like uh it really enables that type of dming which is like a series of small like three shots so in this demi plane you've got this arc and that's it when you're done that arc, you will be able to leave that demiplane to go to another. And if you are playing in a party that has trouble finding a DM, this is great for you. Because what you do is you go, okay, well, uh, Adam's going to DM this one arc. And then when that's completed, uh, his character is going to disappear and we're going to get this new character. Adam's going to join the party and then Dave is going to run the next three session arc, right? And it gives you that chance of everybody just uh, paying the DM tax when you have a party that doesn't have a DM. I feel like Candlekeep was like that too. Can't, yeah, right? Um, These modular settings. My issue is I'm so done with Forced Edge. Wait for it. This is not Forced Edge. <sighs> it really isn't. I, I know it really isn't because I uh, some of the domains are more whimsical, which I like. But uh, I, I don't know, man. If I'm running it, I'm not putting it. I'm not doing this kind of concept in the Shadowfell. I'm doing this kind of concept in the Feywild, right? You are going to eat your words when we go through the different domains. Because this is not Edge for the sake of Edge. Every one of these domains has a plot line that these Dark Lords are having to deal with over and over and over again. They're stuck in their own hell over and over And I like that, yeah. And so some of them do feel a little like Faye are a thing in here. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But this is a focus on horror. If you're not doing a horror campaign, if you want whimsy, don't go to the Ravenloft book. Right. Well, you could grab the concept, right, of that, that Look, module. We are getting a Feywild book yeah. later in this year. I'm sure it will be similar to this. Yeah, yeah, probably. So for me, honestly, I really like that they tackled so many different kinds of horror on this. Um, we are going to really get into the nitty gritties. But when it comes to the idea of the mists and getting lost in them, that DC 20 con save or level of exhaustion feels steep. It feels a little too steep. Yeah, they, they've done that for a reason, though. Like, they, they want you to stay here and be here. Because if you can get through it, why shouldn't the Dark Lord be able to as well? I understand that. I really would. I wish that they would have a, it's a DC 10 con save and a random encounter table. So that you can be in there for up to like a minute or two 
but you're going to be fighting these monsters or you will see your own death or your the ghost of your grandmother will come and chase you back and whatever it is right like I, I there could have been other ways to push your characters back into the domain um how does the raven queen not at factor all. in not at all in this book remember the shadowfell is not ravenloft no. ravenloft is only the mists and the domains of dread within hmm. shatter kai are not a factor here i'm not sure i like that well let me ask you this dan how much dridst and arctic horror and oreal the frost maiden is in water deep well no not much at all same right? thing same thing though this is a corner of the shadow fell sure. this is how much of of dees the second layer of hell is there is in like gehenna right i mean we don't have any book that takes us to gehenna right now but yeah i get what you're saying right like it's it's different parts of the lower plane this yeah. is just a different geography um and so and there are literally hundreds of these little pockets so don't go looking for the Raven Queen in here. I, I I see what you're saying, but this is, for all intents and purposes, this is the only Shadowfell book we're going to get, or at least narrowly Shadowfell-centric book yeah. that we're going to get. So, and and I like you said, we're getting that Feywild book. We're probably going to get that cover there as well. It's not a massive criticism. It is just one thing that I'm not 100% sure I'm too on board with. I would like there to be a plainer book for... To break down the general planes as they are. Again, I'm not going to hate on a book or a location based on what it doesn't give me. Okay. I'm going to judge it based on what it did give me. And what it gave me was some good horror stuff. I'm not going to sit here and hate on it because it wasn't whimsical. Or because it didn't give me enough of the Raven Queen. You know what? Out of the Abyss didn't give me Raven Queen shit either. I don't hate on that for that. Right? It's just not what this book was designed to do. Do you guys have any insights about how you would run the the mists and the different domains of jumping between or or the idea of dark powers? Does that interest you at all? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I think I would probably allow them to use their planar shift modified to move between little parts of the like different... Move between the domains yeah. rather than being able to just leave the plane entirely. Exactly. I would modify it so that they could kind of jump around a little bit, but only if it was established that you know, they could, they knew what was going on, right? I wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, here you go. Wide open, have her, have at her. If there was going to be a teleportation circle that they've got to get the things to be able to do to move to the next thing, sure. And that is definitely a part of this. You are not trapped here forever. Usually if you defeat a Dark Lord or, you know, disrupt the machinations, if you save the day as the heroes, then you are able to leave. Whether or not you leave back to the material plane is one thing, <laughs> right? But you are able to get out of this one. You could do an entire level 20, 1 to 20 campaign hitting different domains cool. of dread. Yeah, so. I like that. For me, it's it's if, if you're doing it, make sure you are establishing appropriate atmosphere for each one. I think when you're dealing with a lot of the horror tropes, and we've talked about this in our horror episodes, establishing atmosphere is going to really benefit you. And as we saw with the Vistani and Barovia, having the... Um, the aware people in each of the domains of dread, I think, can help give your party a little bit of direction as well. I'm what not do, sure. What do you mean, the aware people? Uh, the people who are aware that they're in a. No, uh, nobody is. I thought the Vistani were at least in a certain level. The Vistani are the only people that are, and they're not in every domain. No, okay. So. You, you're right. Like, yeah. it, it's a good intro to that yeah, idea. Right. But you're not going to be able to find the Vistani 
settlement in each one. In each one, no. Uh, playing with the level of awareness that the people have that they are in this prison demiplane is definitely something I would lean into because that that is where a lot of the intrigue comes for me. So let's jump into a handful of them first, okay? And the first one we're going to jump into is Barovia, which of course is the domain of the first vampire. They all have titles, This like the domain of, mm-hmm. right? So this is the domain of the first vampire. It's gothic horror, obviously, primarily vampires, but with a variety of creatures. You get werewolves and were-ravens and all that shit. Um, it's gloomy. It's somber. There's superstitious feel to it all, and it's the home to Strahd von Zerovic. And that's all I'm going to say about it, because Curse of Strahd exists. We did an episode on Barovia. You can go back and listen to that. We did an episode on the Shadowfell where we talked about Barovia a whole bunch. <laughs> and there are tons of actual plays in the Curse of Strahd campaign. So if you're looking for more info, honestly, pick up the book and flip through it. It is one of the best books. Yeah. But the next one is called Bluetspur, the Domain of Alien Memories. This is cosmic horror. It's all about mind flayers and illithid nonsense. It has lethal alien hellscapes with ruins of extinct civilizations and a massive singular mountain that looms over everything and pulses with silence that demands attention. This is home to the Dark Lord called the God Brain. I'm loving it. I'm into it. I'm, I'm on board. The next one is called Borka, the Domain of Desire and Deceit. This is all about gothic and psychological horror, and it's got large estates the size of villages run by rival families and surrounded by poor little hamlets of impoverished peoples who serve the families. It's mostly humanoids plotting against each other and is home to Ivana Borizzi, who is a genius and protector of her deceased father's estates, and Ivan Deliznia, who's Ivana's cousin, who is a decrepit and horrifyingly aged old human who is bound to a spider-like pram that keeps him alive as he manipulates and torments those around him. I saw this in Wild Wild West. Uh, Or in the Hotel Transylvania movies. I haven't seen those because I don't have young kids, but the artwork for him is like he looks like a semi-mummified corpse in a spider-legged like crib with tubes and shit hooked up to him with like his eyes are wild and crazy and he runs around and just creates hell. And so this is a lot about political intrigue, but it's psychological kerfuckery. Well. Like, are we talking like the cube level of psychological fuckery or like the movie cube? Yeah. No, the movie cube is just a maze. This is going to be um, pulling on the heartstrings of people oh, yeah. okay. and make the choice that will hurt the most. Right. And so th- this is going to be, there is no good answer. Everyone is out to get everyone else. Whoever you are allied with will undoubtedly end up being a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, It is just not a happy place to be. Cool. The next one is called The Carnival, The Wandering Domain of Wonders. This is about body horror and dark fantasy. It's literally a big top carnival, but flyers for the carnival mysteriously appear before the mists set in and people disappear into the domain of dread. What that means is that it is actually able to move. This is the only one that will border on the other domains hmm. or even on the other planes of existence. And so, you see this place coming into Celestia and they're just like, get the fuck out. Well, <laughs> the very first thing the very first thing that's gonna happen is flyers will show up for the carnival. The carnival is coming. You're excited about the carnival, and then the mists kick in, yeah. and then the carnival shows up. So this is home to the leader of the carnival, Isold, 
who is a special, powerful Eladrin that has a hatred for criminals and executes them with the Holy Avenger sword named Nepenthe. Nepenthe is an intelligent sword with bloodlust, and it is the Dark Lord. Oh, cool. I love it. This is the only domain that does move freely through the mist, and I love that it can visit the others. This You said, oh, I want you to be able to go from this place to this place to this place. Do it as part of the carnival, sneak in there. and The carnival will only be in this domain for the next seven days. Do everything you need to before the carnival leaves and get back to the carnival to go with it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The next thing is Darkon, the domain on the brink of destruction. I know, like Darkon <laughs> is so on. So, so the Dark Lords and the Dark Powers are, there's, I, there's a Dark Lord and a Dark Power that resides in Darkon. There's no Dark Power that resides there. Remember, they are essentially oh, right, right, yeah. the Watcher. From the Marvel Universe, yeah. right? Uh, I wonder if this one's called Darkon or something. like the, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable? Exactly. Yeah, okay. So Get out. We've got Dark Fantasy and Disaster Horror. This is a dying world full of never-ending magical catastrophe that is separated into four regions. The Jagged Coast, Lichgate, Rex Crown, and the Mistlands. The Dark Lord, Azalin Rex, was a lich, but he is now missing and presumed dead. One of the most interesting locations in Darkon is Castle Avernus. I wish they would not recycle fucking names. But the Ravenloft now in Avernus as well. Well, I I think... It has nothing to do with the level of the Nine Hells. I, I know, but I think Castle Avernus is one of those things that has been part of modules since like this... Oh, since day fucking one. Yeah, yeah no, I right? Know. So. I just hate that they recycle this stuff. But this version of it is a haunted castle filled with incredibly dangerous magical depravities. It exploded during the destructive event called the Hour of Ascension that kicked off this whole domain. But it froze in mid-explosion, and now the rooms and crypts and libraries and laboratories of the castle hang in mid-air. And they're still home to such evil entities as ghosts and an evil black shadow dragon. For this domain, there are random tables to roll on to determine the impact and cause of the destruction, possible ways to save the realm allies and rivals, the kinds of dread to be found within, and what the final outcome of the realm might be. All right, so remember in the third Dungeons & Dragons movie, at the end, they go into the Shadowfell, and he's like saving his dad? This feels like that. It does. I also didn't want to remember the third, so... Yeah, last time I saw it. Oh, it was great. It had that little girl suckling on fingers. Moving on? (sighs) Moving on. So far, which of these domains sounds like the most interesting to you as a dungeon master? Seven. Seven. Three. Oh, we got to re-roll. Five. Five. Oh, yeah, sorry, 13. Yeah, um, the, I'm the red one. Darkon. Um, of all the other options, Darkon is the one that I think intrigues me the most. And just because I want my party to gallivant around this exploding castle, which is in, sh- uh, in shreds, being torn apart by raw magical energies... And the fun shenanigans as a DM I could come up with there. Man, they have given us living spells in the different books. Yeah. So you know that shit's going to be fucking And random. And I've got a 3.5 spell compendium. I'm going to pull that out and make those living spells too. Oh, Imagine absolutely. what a living spell of rack is like. That's, <laughs> that's cruel. Yeah. What do you got, Dave? Uh, I like the Blewett Spur. I, I just love the idea of Cosmic Horror. I'm all about it. Like tentacles and friggin' very very flayers. You can make it very Cthulhu-y. Yeah, this is where you could bring your Call of Cthulhu crossover with your Dungeons and Dragons, right? They've got a lot of info in it, too. I mean, each one of these has like a six to ten page spread. You could very much get into this. They've got things about the God Brain and how it works 
and the way that the mountain wants you to look at it, but it causes headaches and you shouldn't look at the mountain. Wait, wait, is the god brain the entire mountain? Nope. The god brain is the Dark Lord. Okay. Uh, for me, it's the carnival. I'm into it. And I would just be dropping this Rakdos shit from Ravnica yeah. all throughout this carnival. And you're a big fan of Fago, so I get it. It's the ICP soda. I'm, I'm with you. I know what it is. Why are you looking at P? What? You said that you see In- P? Insane. Insane clown posse. Yeah. Juggalos. They have, a, they have a particular brand of pop that they like. Or soda for other people out there. No, I'm sticking with pop. Carbonated sugar beverage. Beer? Did you hit record? Yeah, go ahead. So, as some of you have noticed, obviously, Dan and I launched a bit of an informal... Oh, God, enough of that shit. I am so tired of that fucking three-minute-long commercial. Yes, yes, listen to Legend Lore. It's really good, and we dig into all of the different books and stuff. I'm going to use this opportunity now that I'm alone here editing and Dan's not over my shoulder to remind you all about the war against pumpkin spice. It is that time of year again, it is everywhere, and it is in shit that shouldn't exist. I saw pumpkin spice toothpaste. Once again, for the third year in a row, the It's a Mimic podcast is taking a stance against the god-awful, horrible, tyrannical rule that pumpkin spice has over the fall and winter seasons. Enough is enough. End this shit. Boycott pumpkin spice. Okay, back to the show now. So we have more Domains of Dread to go through. There's Dementlu, the Domain of Decadent Delusion. This one is got a lot of French words in it, and it's got a real kind of French horror. Um, it's dark fantasy and psychological horror, and it's a city of high society run by aristocrats. It's all brunches and balls and plays and concerts and especially masquerades. But it's all a sham because no one is as rich as they seem and everything is secretly in a state of constant decay that no one dares to acknowledge. There are three evil fey creatures that live in Dementalu and act as fairy godmothers who meddle in the lives of others. And the Dark Lord is Cedra Donaire, which I keep wanting to say Donaire. Yeah, okay. It, it's D apostrophe and then what looks like honor. Yeah. Donaire. Um, and she, some believe, is a duchess. But her secret is that she's far more than meets the eye to this. This does feel like a dark version of the Cinderella fairy tale. Cool. I, I like the idea of tricking your players to think that this is all nice and everything is great and blah, blah, blah. And like they get to be their princess and whatever and uh, everything's great. Except it really fucking isn't. I'll start it with a auction and then drop a chandelier on them. <laughs> okay, so the next one is called Falkovnia. This is the domain besieged by the dead. And it's another kind of disaster horror scenario, but this time it's zombies. Every structure is in ruins and resources are scarce because every month on the night of the new moon, remember, they track time passages by moons, right? So on the night of the new moon, thousands of zombies burst forth from the mists and attack anything that moves. The survivors are protected by a militant order called Talon officers, and they patrol and protect the survivors who often lay the blame on the soldiers if something goes wrong. They also, the soldiers, hunt down deserters, looters, and strangers and force them into conscription. And anyone who breaks any law faces the only punishment, impalement. 
Groovy. The Dark Lord here is Vladeska Drakov, also known as the Crimson Falcon, who ran a mercenary unit called the Falcon's Talons until they accidentally killed someone important, which started a war between her forces and the citizens of her country. She is brilliant and ruthless, and she's got a lot of blood on her hands, which might be why the dead continue to haunt her and her hated forces of Falkovnia. As a sidebar, in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, there's a section about running a siege by zombies. It's not perfect, but it's a good place to start. It's got random tables for cool. for the kind of shit that happens and how you can resolve it and what's going to kick it off and, and that kind of idea. So, Interesting. Yeah. There's also Har Akir, the domain of the ancient dead. This is your Egyptian mummy domain. It focuses on dark fantasy and ancient tombs of old gods in swirling sands of peril. There is a specific pantheon here. And the dark lord Pharaoh Onktopot is the immortal liaison between the gods and the peoples of Har-Akir. This is all about immortality, mummies, and souls. And Onktopot is the dark lord. But if you kill him, you can't talk to the gods anymore. Hmm. Interesting. The next one is called Haslan. This is the domain doomed by magic. It's more disaster horror and dark fantasy, kind of like what we've seen before, but with a bit of a twist. This is run by Haslik the Wizard, who was raised by the Red Wizards of Thay. Yay! Um, and he's got big ambitions and is omnipresent as he watches everything in his domain. Yeah, Red Wizards of Thay and having big ambitions are kind of synonymous. Yes. Haslik's experimentations have made this realm an insane and destructive reality. Also where synonymous with Red Wizards of Thay. Every spell of first level or higher triggers a very special wild magic table. Oh, interesting. I mean, it can. If you roll the one on the d20, it triggers it the same way that wild magic does. But like, but let, let, no. that's nuts. No one here trusts or likes outsiders because outsiders tend to bring magic with them. And that could cause doom or destruction or death to any inhabitant nearby that sees a spell being cast. Everybody's just turning into houseplants. Uh, no, it's a very specific. Oh, table. it is not the wild magic evil table. houseplants. Yes, it is little shop of horrors. Dan, is that going to make you feel a little happier? A little bit. Mother, you going to cast a spell and then you're just suddenly Seymour. No, I'm I'm Audrey too. Okay, freed me, Seymour. Was that Audrey too? Was that your Audrey too? I mean, yeah. Okay. Good on you for trying, Dan. Bless your little heart. I mean, fuck off. It's not a bad one. <laughs> so the next one is called Ikath. This is the domain trapped in a dream. It's body horror and cosmic horror, and it's also um, very Asian-influenced. Here, all the citizens sleep endlessly in their homes, but those who do wake are suffering from starvation. Food here means more than gold. The Dark Lord of this domain is Xian Chang who watched her home destroyed and ended up studying magic under a gold dragon. She became a powerful wizard, then declared vengeance on the invaders of her realm and drugged the dragon who helped her so she could get a scale that would let her create a bell that could make someone's dreams come true. Unfortunately, the magical experiment went awry and the dragon and town decayed immediately. She made the bell anyway, expelled the invaders, at which point she was declared queen, as queen, though, she was too strict, and in time there was a rebellion. Her four beloved daughters were killed by assassins, and when Xian Chiang returned to the bell for another wish, it cracked and spilled the city into the Domain of Dread. 
Each of the daughters were resurrected as monstrous reflections of themselves, and every night the layout of the city shifts and changes, while floating undead Asian-inspired vampires called Jiang Shi roam the streets with the daughters as well. They're the only things that are awake and moving in here. This is very much like your your the ring, the grudge, like those level of like uh weird uh horror tropes that we've seen. I'm a massive fan of Asian horror, so like I'm on board for this. The next one is Kalakari, the domain of betrayal and revenge. It's all about gothic horror and dark fantasy. This realm is constant upheaval and violent turmoil as the sapphire throne is being contested by the three heirs who have been transformed into monstrous versions of themselves. It's all political intrigue, treachery, violence, and faction-on-faction skirmishes as a death knight, Rakshasa, and Arcanaloth battle for the throne. Cool. Interesting. And don't get stuck between that fight. (laughs) And adventure in this realm is tied to the renown system for either loyalists under the death knight or rebels under either the Rakshasa or the Arcanaloth. Yeah. And they're all siblings. And they hate each other. Kartakis, the domain of tarnished dreams, is another venture into dark fantasy and gothic horror. This is a domain of dread where every animal, plant, and citizen dedicates all their essence to putting on the best performance. And outsiders feel like everything is staged and fake. That means that flowers bloom the brightest and always face you. Everything just feels like it's a stage being set up for you. And if you could just get behind the scenes, you would see that it's not real. Kind of like Alice in Wonderland level stuff? or Yeah, kind of. But it's it's a little bit too polished, right? It's more like the Truman Show. Willy Wonka. No, think the Truman Show. Okay. where Where every time that you want to go down that road, there's someone calling you away to do something else. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they want to keep you seeing the performance, but it's everywhere. There's no general governing body, but the different settlements are all in creative competition with each other all of the time to make the best art. By the full moon, however, the lycanthropic nature of the citizens is revealed and violence spills out. The Dark Lord in Kartakis is Harkin Lucas, who is a loop guru masquerading as a bard. Do you guys know what a loop guru is? I do. It's like a super werewolf. Yes, and the way that it works here in in D&D is opposed to other werewolves, you cannot remove the lycanthropy curse unless the loop guru is killed, right? So you got to go back in the the history of who sired whom to you get back to the loop guru and then all of the descending werewolves can then be, be cured. Then we have Lamordia, the domain of snow and stitched flesh. Nifty. Body horror and gothic horror for this one. The domain is a city trapped in a frozen wasteland, but instead of a frigid cityscape or blizzard-swept town, you instead get a steam-powered city with boiling sewers, a mining town with smoking refineries, and Ludendorff University, where Dr. Victor Mordenheim, (laughs) who is this domain's Dark Lord, pushes the boundaries of knowledge, discovery, experimentation, and magic with his mad science. Expect flesh golems, brains in jars, and homunculi around every corner, and reanimated horror at your heels. There is a Warhammer fantasy setting called Mordenheim that is this level of kooky dukes nonsense. There it is, kooky dukes. I gotta get one an episode. Uh, That's not a bad thing. Yes, I do have to get one of them an episode. It's not a bad thing, it's just... That is a bad thing. um, It's... It's a little too on the nose with the last name there. 
harkens it a bit too closely. You know, all of this stuff feels like it intermingles yeah. all these different settings and games. And but it, it it's close, like it it almost feels lawsuity. Well, I'm sure that if you break it down, Mordenheim actually means like the man something. of death or something. It, it might be part of Norse mythology too, judging by the naming convention. But yeah. I, I don't know enough to judge. So let's grab our dice. I want to know which one of these ones sounds the most interesting to you guys as a DM. I got I got a 13. I got a 7. I got a natural 1. Uh, for me, the one I want to run more than any of these other ones is uh, Kartakis. It's the one with the Loop Guru. I am a massive werewolf fan. Um, I've always preferred my werewolves to vampires. Uh, like when that argument comes up, I'm always you're at, Team Jacob. I'm I'm Team Jacob. So is it because he waxes off. his chest? Uh, no, it's it's more he just shows his nipples more uh, and doesn't glow in the sunlight. Fuck. Anyways, the fact that Loop Guru are now D and D five E official lore, and that you could follow that uh, train of thought, fucking, I'm I'm on board. Yes, please. So, Cartacus uh, for me. Yeah, honestly, for me, I'm all about Doctor Frankenstein in the snow. I love that idea of the steam powered crazy city of just like weird shit. I really want you to be down in the sewers as. Crawling claws and intellect devourers. Yeah, like shit. Have a couple a couple sessions where you're like grave robbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I also like that it's a little steampunky as mm-hmm. well, which is kind of fun for me. Uh, Dementlu you or however you say it. Dementlau. Yes. Dementlu. Dementlu. D demon. No. Tiliu. Dement. Liu. Like Lieutenant Dave. Dementlu. Dementlu. That's how I'm pronouncing it. Okay. Yeah. At one point, way back when, when I was still doing 3.5, we had a couple of sessions where we were at a masquerade ball. And every time the word masquerade comes up uh, in D&D, I go back to that. And my players had such a good time doing it. Uh, However, I wouldn't choose it. I'm with you. Uh, I would pick uh, Lamordia. I like the idea of being an Eberron fan myself. Uh, Have them maybe dip out of Eberron into this area of the Shadowfell. You could pull this out and put it in the north of Eberron. Exactly. It feels that kind of steampunky to me. That's the other really fun thing about all of this. You can grab any one of these and plunk it down into any location and just get rid of the mists and have it just be a thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. The idea of wandering across the sleeping city of, of everyone is asleep and can't be woken. Yeah. But there are these floating vampires that are stalking the streets at well, night as the city changes shape and geography around you. And honestly, you should feel free to do that with this and any of the other books. Like, there's no reason why you can't have the third part of Ghosts of Saltmarsh in one of your campaigns, right? So, this especially, especially this stuff from Raven, the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is primed for pulling it out like that. As a player, which one interests you the most? What do you want to play in? I mean, werewolves. Uh, Still werewolves? Still werewolves. Uh, I mean, Lamordia does have its uh, charm. I mean, I, I threw you guys in a cosmic horror level snow-capped uh, realm before, and I I live in a cosmic horror snow-capped realm, being from Canada. It, it just feels like home, Lamordia. I am all about Har Akir. I want to go raid tombs. Mm-hmm. I don't want to run mummies. As a DM, the mummy lords are a little lackluster, but as someone who's got to face off against them three levels too early, that's the appropriate level of scary for me. I'm a big fan of that raiding tombs, Indiana Jones, or frankly, Brendan Fraser 
versus the mummy level of adventure. I'm in. I had a ton of fun. When we did Curse of Straw, we went into the crypts beneath Ravenloft, the castle. And uh, we actually like dicked around in there for a bit. I had more fun doing that than I did for the rest of that campaign. Mm. I just love grave robbing in both my fantasy. In my fantasy, I'll just say it like that. Uh, we're we're, we're going to talk about Adam after, okay? Yeah, all yeah right, sounds right. like fun. Uh, for me, I would probably pick Calicari. Uh, I like the idea of inter-party turmoil as a player. I like not just being uh, player versus environment, but player versus player as well. And this seems like it's just perfect for that. I also like the idea of uh, when I am a player, keeping myself a little more interested with the ideas like the renown system. These things that I don't normally deal with, but are kind of a neat little bonus thing. Yeah, and you can get different points for getting more famous and then different different boons for doing that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that, that's fun. And then you swap allegiances too. Cool. And what yeah. that does and so on and so forth. Yeah, fun. you get secrets from other players and stuff and it gets, you know, real hard for the DM. So... One of the things I did want to mention is, as you can tell with all these Domains of Dread, there is a very constant theme um, and clear theme with each one that is distinct from the others. And um, we had one of our players in our game because we finally sat down for in-person games again for the first time in, what, it feels like a year and a half, Adam? We went from March 2020 to July 2021. So, so it's it's... It's been a bit, and we finally got to sit down for the first time and play, which was super fun. But one of the players uh, turned to everyone at the end of the session and was like, so when are we actually going to do like the cosplay dress up as our characters thing? And with these Domains of Dread, with that in mind, running something like Dementalio and having everybody come to the session wearing masquerade outfits with like the masks and everything else and, and having fun with it that way. Please embrace the weird when it comes to this. And you, if rea- that- you realize I play a Leonin in that campaign, Dan. I'm going to show up as a bloody furry. You do every week anyways. And nobody needs to see that. However, some of them want to, right, Dan? Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and at the subreddit r slash it's a mimic. Where we will not be posting pictures of Dave as a furry. Uh, I mean, let's not count anything out just yet. Yeah. I have my own account. I can post things. Yeah, I've got you don't admin. know what Reddit After Dark's like. Right. Uh, also, you can f- uh, email us at info at itsamimic.com. And I mean dark. Also, if you have any questions uh, for the mailbag episodes, make sure to uh, post those. And, you know, we're always looking for more and more. There is a thread on the subreddit specifically dedicated to it. But, of course, the inbox on Facebook and the inbox in Instagram are both consistently full of questions as well. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump into the last few Domains of Dread, which get the deep dives in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. We get Morden, which is the Domain of the Haunted. This is your ghostly domain. Haunted houses, seances, ghost stories, and villagers with vague warnings and chilling stories fill this realm. Expect ancestral curses, vengeful spirits, and unfinished business. The Dark Lord here is probably going to be kept secret in a campaign here, so I'll say this. They are no longer among the living. Hmm. The next one is another one of these weird French-inspired ones, which is Richemulot, the domain of disease, isolation, and were-rats. And it's full of rats and vermin who scurry around the crumbling infrastructure like packs of dogs. The royal family died of what's called the gnawing plague, or just the gnaws. And the most powerful and wealthy aristocrat left, Jacqueline Renier, rules as warden now. 
She has declared martial law and offers no aid or relief to those infected with the plague. There are some great details about the plague and the cycle of the plague, including threat, outbreak, illness, and pestilence in the book. And Dan, you're talking about masquerades. I don't think it was plague doctors sitting yeah. around the table doing... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board for that. And give it a year. Just when you're dealing with the plague realm, just give it a year. It's a little too fresh right it's a, now. It's a little bit too fresh. The next one is Tepest, the domain of nature's cruel secrets. This is folk horror. Yay! The, the Dark Lord here is probably a spoiler for the realm, but this is all about fey bullshit surrounding the village of Victal. Fey bargains, nature worship, rural festivals, and secret sacrifices are all on the table here, and the lore of the god known only as Mother is rich and disturbing. <laughs> Beware the harvest. I feel like that's hitting a little too close to home for some people. <laughs> Mother being the issue yeah, yeah. here. That's why we didn't invite Kyle onto this episode. Yeah, because he's one mother. The last one that they do a big deep dive in is Valachan, the domain of the hunter. And it is a dense rainforest with sandy shores and tall forested mountains. This is the deadliest game, where travelers befall Chakuna, a werepanther, who forces everyone to partake in the Trial of Hearts, which is a battle royale where criminals and victims try to get to one of the two distant shrines without getting murdered by the other contestants, falling into deadly traps, or running afoul of the creatures that hunt them. All the while, Chakuna hunts the contestants. There is a proper set of rules laid out in the book for the trial, as well as adventures that surround the trial of art, so you don't have to just do that hunt. Displacer beasts, gladiators, hags, blights, and more wait deep in the forests. If you want to force your party through the Hunger Games... This is where you start. It feels like it's the opposite of Hakuna Matata. Like, this is Chakuna Matata. This is the... There's no Matata here. This is There's all worries. only worries yeah, yeah, yeah. for the rest of your days. Yeah. When I was doing my prep for this and I saw Chakuna, I went, I wonder how long it'll take. Oh, I, I was about to say Kazoon type, but I thought I had more class than that. Thanks, Dave. You don't. So, what about these ones as a DM? Let's roll initiative on this. 18... Nine. Four. Tepes, 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 tepes. Yeah, you're all about the folk Oh, horror. I'm all about the folk horror, man. I, I routinely listen to a podcast by Aaron Menke called Lore. Yeah, so do I. Um, uh, I mean, it's brilliant. I love folklore. I love the history of where we get our cryptids and uh, stories and fears and those things that make us tremble in the deep of night. It, it, it inspires me in so many different ways. Having a realm that I could put it in, yep, yes. I gotta ask, Dan, are you over this Ravenloft is too much edge for edge? Barovia, no. Barovia is edge for edge. Barovia is edge for edge. But the rest of it really The rest is of the domains being so distinct and having that branching categorization of horror themes that they go in through the cosmic horror, the folk horror, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It really makes each one their own unique thing, whether they are edgy or not. They are all still, don't get them wrong, very much horror. Yes. Right? So, um, yes, I'm over the fact that uh, Ravenloft is edgy. Um, but, I mean, you still get that in in several of these. Uh, I mean, to be brutally honest, none of these really appeal to me that much. The Valachan at the end there is just, 
getting chased, it feels like one big... There's there's more to it. There is a lodge there where you are invited to partake and then you are sent out to, we need someone to go out and capture these criminals. Most of the people that are sucked into this domain from the material plane are criminals, right? So this is a punishment, but there are also some innocents that are... I I figured Valachan would be the one that would, would pique your interest the most. I mean, I guess it just seems like a good idea or a good location to have a lot of random encounters if that's what you guys are into. There is a lot of random encounter that's kind of implied here. Yeah. But there's also a lot of setting up the trial. You can run this quote-unquote hunt. You could spend multiple months of gameplay sitting down and kind of building towards the trial itself only to find out that your names have been drafted as well. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> a lot volunteer of volunteer for yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of potential there, but I don't think I would use it. Well, uh, just just myself. watch the best Predator movie with uh, Adrian Brody, and that's all the inspiration you need for... That is not the best Predator movie. I It isn't? There's other Predator movies? I will show you the bad side of my good hand. And I will show you the front side of my back side. No. Wait. No. No. All right. So no. mine is obviously... Again, Reddit after dark. <laughs> uh, Morden is the domain of the haunted. The fact that it's all ghostly apparitions and specters and shadows and stuff. I don't care what level you are. I have got incorporeal horrors given to me throughout these books that I'm going to fuck with you something fierce. There's just such a rich flavor to the haunted house that is, it's not just one haunted house, it's haunted villages. Yeah. Like, it's so cool. <laughs> here's here's the timeline. Hey, Adam, we're thinking about running a bit of a horror campaign. Well, here's your options, guys, including this one haunted village. Hey, the haunted village is really great. Adam immediately goes home and, like, binge watches Poltergeist. The Exorcist goes down the list of all these classic, like, haunted house horror movies. The Exorcist is not a haunted house horror movie. Well, I mean... Amityville. Let's go with Amityville. Amityville, Yeah. yeah. I have many thoughts about Amityville and The Conjuring and whatnot, and that's another episode, because <laughs> I've got... I I love haunted houses. Yeah. I just wish someone would do them right. As a player, which one would you be most interested in playing in, Dan? Uh, I mean, uh, Valachan. As a player, I'd want to play in Valachan. I'd want to play in that hunt. That That's the, with that, like, gamified, almost, version of it, uh, and... The only way out is to succeed in the hunt. So embracing that sounds You like- have to get to the shrine before the others. First one there wins. If you're not first, you're dead. Yeah. Right? And so and there are two shrines, one atop of the mountains and one in the islands off the coast. And you start off deep in the rainforest. Go. Yeah, honestly, I would probably pick Valachan as well. Uh, one of the things that I really like as a player uh, is learning from other DMs and stealing things. Uh, and this just seems like there's a lot of potential to see new things yeah. uh, and experience new things that I can pass on to my players later. I always DM. I rarely get to play. This seems like a good idea to help me bolster those abilities. I am all over the domain of disease, isolation, and were rats. I love the idea of the disease, the plague that's being spread, and the fact that they actually codify these are the four steps of the plague. And even if you cure it, it is coming back. It can never be truly cured. This is going to fuck with your paladins and your your life domain clerics mm-hmm. yeah. and whatnot. Something fierce. Yeah, you got a character with hope. There's nothing that quite destroys hope like the slow decay of disease. So there are lots of others listed in the book. So let me give you a quick list of them. Um, and then I want to know what your favorites are. So keep an ear out. I'm going to go rapid fire out with this. I'm going to start off with the one that Dave's going to choose anyway. Yep. Sire 1313, The Morning Rail. This is an escape from a haunted lightning rail that tried and failed to escape the morning in Eberron. 
Then there's Forlorn, which is about a vengeful Dampir trapped in an infinite cycle of death and rebirth. Gastria, which has a similar plot to the picture of Dorian Gray, only the painting also eats souls. Gehenna, which is not Gehenna. It's spelt differently. There's an apostrophe, not just a G-E. Yeah, it's Gehenna. Yeah, which is a rocky, starving land where the locals offer their only food and sacrifices to a dark god discovered in the mountains. Hells have eyes kind of level? A little bit more Cthuloid. Okay. Then there's NVIDIA, which is not a video card up there. It's not a graphics (laughs) card. What? So, no, NVIDIA, which is halfway between the Omen with an evil child and Ouija, the spirit board. Keening, which is a village beset upon by a banshee. Clore is made up of islands and suns on the brink of apocalypse. So there are these floating islands and there are 13 suns in the swirling cosmos and the islands are broken, shattered parts of realms. And they're swirling through the cosmos and they're facing destruction in a matter of hours against a sun-like sphere in the middle. Every hour, another one of these suns goes out and it gets destroyed. It's a surreal cosmic horror where no one remembers how they got there, but everyone is desperate to avoid the fiery inferno at the end of the universe. There's Markovia, which is essentially the island of Dr. Moreau. It's cool. all it's all animal people, but sort of. but not lycanthropes. Like that's that's when your simic hybrid character starts clapping his claws. Yeah. Paws? Both? Hooves? Flippers. Yes. Nice. One of each. The Nightmare Lands, which is exactly what you think it is. The Nightmare Court is comprised of the living nightmares of a potent psychic. And they inhabit the empty city of Nod and hold dominion over the floating spheres of strangers' nightmares. Then there's Nirajan, which is a place of peace and tranquility if you willingly give up all worldly possessions in order to find enlightenment. Spoiler alert, not everything is as benevolent as it seems. Also, this one has dragons. There's Nova Vasa, where nomadic warrior tribes are in constant battle under the purview of their overlord, Myar Hiregard. Just throw the Iron Maiden on and have fun for a campaign. Pretty much. This, yeah. is, this is... Like, this is your album cover. Yeah, the barbarians live yeah. here. There's Odare, which is a village of children who all love and follow the Toy Master and his carrionette. Cool. No, thank you. That's weird. There's the Rider's Bridge, which is essentially the legend of Sleepy Hollow and the Headless Horseman. However, even if you win, you got to do it again and again and again. You just end up on a different side of the bridge with a different kind of Headless Horseman over and over and over. Yeah, it's the Headless Horseman, and then it's the Armless Horseman, and then it's the Legless Horseman. No, actually, and one then, of, the, and then the horse is the one missing the head. It's the, the Headless horse. Horseman. Man. Kind of, because one of the versions is a centaur. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. There's... Recibolos, which is a performance hall that features a ventriloquist's dummy and a tortured, humorless soul and a myth about Strahd von Zerovic that may or may not be true. I've read that Goosebumps novel. No, you haven't. This is um, different. Um, there's Skena, which is a theater in which the playwright once murdered his entire cast on stage during a performance while the unwitting audience watched with glee and applauded. And now he looks forward to an encore performance, but he's super freaking random and you don't know what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. And even the audience is in danger, but they don't know it. Hmm. There's the Sea of Sorrows, which is probably the best fleshed out of these little subdomains and is the perfect setup for a haunted pirate campaign. There's the Shadowlands, which focuses on an order of heroic knights who are desperate to vanquish evil, but their slain foes and horrible failures always come back to torment them again. 
Think about if the Knights of the Round Table were cursed to fight necromancers and black knights until the end of time. And even when they win, they show up again next month. Mm -hmm. The only thing I'm going to say about Sarong is that it's a prison deep in a swamp ruled by a murderous ghost of its sadistic warden. Cool. Staunton Bluffs is an ongoing loop of tragedy with an unknown mercenary invasion, familial drama and mystery, and a siege that culminated in a suicidal jump that resulted in the ghost of the Dark Lord that reigns there. Tovag is where you find Kaz the Bloody Handed. Oh, cool. Who was one of Vecna's minions. He betrayed Vecna and they fought until both were dead, but Vecna rose again, obviously, and Kaz the Bloody Handed landed in Tovag, where he builds his undead army to try and invade the mists of Ravenloft. And he keeps sending them out, and of course they never come back, they disappear, which just enrages him further. And he then needs more mortals to come to turn to undead to be his undead army. There's a significant plot hook here about the Sword of Kaas, which is his weapon, which is outlined in the DMG. It's an actual magical yeah. weapon here. Yeah. So um, We get the Vage Agency, which is run by Philomira Vage, who investigates occult mysteries all across the Domains of Dread. Here's another one that goes domain hopping. But there's a dark personal history and a secret that will keep your players guessing as they unravel the mysteries and conspiracy in this film noir setting. Cool. Then Jerissia. Jerissia is kind of like Jack the Ripper with a twist and set in a rioting city full of food scarcity, overtaxation, and dozens of missing person cases that occur every night. Jack the Ripper meets Les Mis. No, no, no. Jack the Ripper meets... I don't... I. I don't know what to say without spoiling it. There is a supernatural twist cool. to it. So, guys, one more time, let's roll the dice. I got a nine. Thirteen. So, which of these domains sounds the most interesting to you as a DM, Dave? Oh, sorry, thirteen, thirteen. You nailed it. Like absolutely, one hundred percent, no question. Like by by not just a little either. Like by a lot. Stuck on a train. Yeah, yeah. Like this, this isolated, almost. Um, like Snowpiercer idea where you're like your whole thing happens on this friggin' train. But here's the cool thing about it. It, it gets a little bit into the history so here I'm going to sink my teeth in a little bit more for you Dave. The idea is that the people that were getting on the train knew the morning was coming. Yep. And so they boarded the train to escape and there was a delay. And so as it pulled out of the station the morning hit and they are forever trapped between life and death on this train. Cool. And it's up to the players to to figure out what the fuck to do with this train. Don't you just use a phoenix down and it it's done? I too have played Final Fantasy VI or three, depending on which region that you're from. <laughs> Anyways, my answer. Uh, honestly, Chlor sounds lots of fun. That's the one with the suns that are going out in the timer. That's counting down on your party. Once an hour. So you have 13 hours to get out of here. Yeah. Um, I love Banshees. So Keening might be that as well, because that's going to have a little bit of that folklore twist. So I, I don't know. I'm divided between the two of those. I like the idea with Clore is if you sit down with your group to do like a long whole day session. And as soon as they walk in, you explain everything. And then you hit the timer and it starts counting down. And like make sure it's big and noticeable. It'll be like, all right, guys, you ready to start? Click. What do you guys want to do? Yep. I, and I like the idea too. You could do that. But every time that they roll initiative and they get into it, you pause the timer because that takes forever. Yeah. Right? And then you say, that took eight rounds. That's one minute. Start the timer again. Yeah. Right? And watch them just freaking panic. Yeah. No one's allowed to talk for one minute. One second. 
Yeah. And you just wait. Yeah. Just build the tension for a minute. Oh. Continue. All right. Yeah. We now go. Fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. The lore nerd in me wants to run Tobag, though. Yeah. Right? Um, and that's just because I have this whole scheme of uh, gaining the regalia of evil, which is part of the whole Vecna Kurt, uh, lore and cost lore and all. So, Tobag, just for the lore nerd in me. I am a big, big, big fan of the Nightmare Lands. I like Limbo, like the the chaotic, neutral plane of Limbo, which is just at any point, chaos can happen and the entire world, liquid can become solid. Entire realms can just, is wild magic just unhinged. But now we're doing with nightmares. There are literal spheres full of nightmare. And if you get hit by one of them, you enter someone else's nightmare. Hmm. I just think that's freaking horrifying. I also have a soft spot for this one about the toy maker. Yeah. And so the idea is that this is very much Pinocchio based. He made a, a carrionette, um, which is marionette, but it's carry-on. Yeah. Um, so, because um, he takes it with him on airplanes. It's carry-on. So the, you both shook your head at me and that means I did a good job. <laughs> Fuck both y'all. So the thing that I like about this is all of the other children loved this Pinocchio character. But the toy maker realized that the adults didn't and were starting to scheme against him. So he murdered them all with his with his puppet. And so now the village is just the children who worship him and his doll. So it's Children of the Corn meets Pinocchio. Yes. Okay, cool. So any final thoughts about Ravenloft in general, guys? Um, uh, The name Ravenloft is such a, like... It doesn't do it justice. No, like, I mean... I feel like we've gone through that whole thing... Without really talking about what Ravenloft is. Well, or Ravenloft, how Van Richten plays into. Well, okay. Van Richten is an NPC in one of them. And I wasn't going to spoil that because he does pop up okay. in the middle. Um, and Ravenloft itself is just the name of the mists. And the fact, this collection of domains. This isn't a index of, or indices of the entire oh, no, list the, of, like, So we went, I, I did a big deep dive into, like, 16 of them. And then there's this short list where there's, like, three paragraphs each. For this other like sub list of them. And then there's an entire section of the book. How to build your own domain. Yeah. Right. So like having the knowledge that Ravenloft. I mean they kind of do a disservice with the book. Because they put Strahd on the cover and everything. Well that's how you sell it. Right. It's how, I mean yes. But like get in your head that Ravenloft is not Barovia. Ravenloft is that mists. That mist lands where all of the domains of dread reside. When you are done Curse of Strahd, this is where you go next. Yeah. When you've gone through the entire intrigue and then you raffle stomp Strahd because apparently everybody always does. Yeah. He's a bit of a pushover now. Considering his CR level, it's a little weak. Where do you go from there? Into the next thing, right? It doesn't help that they give you a sun sword. Well, truth. Dave, any final thoughts? Yeah, apparently there's a sun sword in Curse of Strahd. That is... Which I was hoping to play at some point. Thanks, Dan. It's been out for eight years. It's not even a Behold massive spoiler. Behold the field in which I grow my fucks. Oh my Look god. Look now and see that it is barren. Well, there's a sun sword in there. You know that, at least. Any thoughts about Ravenloft, Dave? To me, this is the best book that's going to give you a variety of one-shots. Uh, for us, in my group, uh, my Thursday group, whenever somebody can't play, someone else tries to take a turn DMing, and we all try to you know make characters and stuff for it. This, we can have the same characters in the same book, all working from the same thing. And this seems like the best book for that. I know that Candlekeep does that as well, uh, as do others. But I think this one just has the most 
Candlekeep gives you actual adventures as if you are running an adventure module. This, however, is just settings, lore, history, NPCs, what to expect, and how to run these mm-hmm. sessions. Yeah. But this, so the adventure is all up to you. But that's what I like, is it yeah. gives you that, that template where everything will be intertwined with each other without having to just railroad everything. And I get to make my own that has a Swamp Thing character. But, Dave, what do you think about the domains themselves and the way that the mists are laid out and all that? Do you like that? That's neat, yeah. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I like it too. I really do enjoy the horror setting here and the fact that they hit so many different sides of it and they included things that I would not have thought about, like those three siblings, the Death Knight... Rakshasa and then the, the Arcanaloth. Yeah. Right? That's nutty to me that that there's the different factions fighting for this realm. It doesn't really scream horror to me until you get into that real gang warfare level of feel that that one has. And it's kind of got a um, Middle Eastern feel to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way that the artwork lays it out. Like there's a lot of really fun, interesting things in here. And I do love the idea of hopping from one to another. And I can easily port any part of this over into any homebrew setting. And like Dave says, fill in the gaps where I need to, right? Ravenloft as a campaign setting is interesting. The book as a tool is so much better than mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, I would say this though, and we probably should have started the episode with it. Session zero, very much required here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. When you're covering the stuff like body horror and, and cosmic horror and... You are and suicidal dark lords and yeah, whatnot. You are actively going to playing on. Th- uh, you are actively playing on things that people will react poorly to if they don't have a bit of a heads up. Don't spoil things, but at least talk about the concepts, right? Yeah, understand that there's the idea of self sacrifice and dread and despair and whatnot. And um, I would hit the nail on the head and say, like, look, depression is a factor in in this. What do you think about it? And when people say, hey, this feels a little raw, this feels a little new, or a little too on the nose, you can steer clear of that one. There are enough other domains of dread out there that you don't have to play in that one. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all for this discussion on Ravenloft, but there are a lot of other pieces of lore in Dungeons & Dragons, so subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be taking a good long look at one of the most complained about playable races, <laughs> especially by me, in 5th edition, the Dragonborn. If you'd like to support us, we have a fancy donate button on our website at www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store with some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, as well as YouTube, and most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. Hey guys, so I'm just looking here uh, through the back of the book and I, I noticed that they actually have a Nosferatu monster. Now this isn't the Nosferatu, this is a Nosferatu. And these things are really cool. Have you looked at these at all? I have skimmed through them, yes. Not really, no. All right, so the idea with this guy is he's kind of a clumsy vampire. Uh, he will feast on anything that has blood. Uh, one of the, the main signs that these guys are around are all the horses in the stable start disappearing. Or not disappearing, but... The blood inside them disappears? Become drained. Uh, and then, you know, they disappear into places where uh, uh, humans and other creatures of the day won't find them. 
uh, you know, they slip back in. They feel like a half step between a vampire and a vampire spawn. Like they're a little bit more feral. Yeah. Well, when they feed just afterwards, they do get like a moment of lucidity where they can talk and everything. But they're pretty selfish. I mean, they're vampires, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the visual, the picture of this in the book is absolutely wonderful. I love it. Pale, big claws, the big, sharp front teeth. Uh, not, you know, the canines, but like the, the front teeth. Actual Nosferatu. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like pointy ears and stuff. Big, long, slender legs with claws and everything. These these guys look horrifying. Uh, now, they're only CR8, which is, you know, respectable. Tough enough. Uh, I mean, they got an AC at 17. I'm not going to do a big breakdown, but uh, they do move at 40 feet, which is pretty fast. Yep. I, and I envision them like hovering at forty feet, like uh, scrambling along the wall. Or that, yeah. They do have spider climb. That's one of their. There things. we go. Their lowest stat is intelligence at a six. Nothing else is below a fourteen. Which means they're well below fourteen. Holy shit! Yeah, everything else is beefy. But I mean, they're still sentient. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're resistant to necrotic and immune to charmed and frightened. Uh, they do regenerate ten hit points at the start of each of their turn. No oh, vampire shit. Uh, if they're not in sunlight. Uh, like I said, they get spider climb. They take 20 points of radiant damage if they start their turn in sun. Uh, and they don't require air. That's pretty on point for those. Uh, they're multi-attack, claw and a, two claws and a bite. And if the two claws hit, the bite has advantage. Nice. Cool. Yeah, I, like yeah. that. Okay? I like that. That's fun. And it does, one. the bite specifically does 1d8 plus 5 piercing plus 2d6 necrotic damage. Except... If the target is missing any of its hit points, it takes 2d10 necrotic damage. So it's kind of like Toll the Dead just as a bite. But this isn't even the coolest thing about it. The best thing is Blood Disgorge, which recharges on a 5 or 6. And let me just read it to you, okay? I'm just going to read it because this is brilliant. The Nosferatu vomits blood in a 15-foot cone. Each creature in that area must make a DC 16 con save. Or be ickied. On a failed save, a creature takes 48 necrotic damage and it can't regain hit points for one minute. Oh my god. On a successful save, the creature takes half as much damage with no additional effects. There's no reroll on, on future rounds? No, that's it. I, one read, minute. I read the whole thing. For one this minute. fight, you don't get hit points back. Yeah, yeah. After taking 48. And if you've taken damage, it now does 2d8 necrotic with its or 2d10 necrotic with its bite. Would you apply that to temporary hit points? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You've taken damage. Yeah, but, but like, no, no, like, would you refuse the ability to gain temporary hit points? Uh, hit points are hit points, whether temporary or permanent. Okay. It doesn't specify otherwise, so yeah. I want to read how they're getting it in what spell or class feature or whatever, because that might... Sure. Yeah, sometimes the temporary hit points is just an effect of, like, will. Yeah. And other times it's you are legitimately just getting a small boost in constitution. Yeah. And if that's the case, no... But if it's like the heroism spell? Yeah, if magic comes down and blesses you to give you more life, then sure, absolutely. I love this. This is fun. The, my favorite part about it is it's this big, tall, bald, pale white thing. It actually kind of reminds me of Dan. Fuck off. It, it's got buck teeth, too. Fuck off. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on Dungeons & Dragons lore. I'm Adam, and with me today are Dan and Dave, I guess... And this episode is called Ravenloft. Oh, or... yes. no, no, I am I am Dave. Am I Dan? Am I the one that's not? Seven. Seven. Three. Oh, we gotta re-roll. Five. Five. Oh yeah, sorry, thirteen. Yeah, um, I'm the red one. Yeah. Uh that's orange. Um, that's brown. That's red. That's orange. That's brown. Y'all are wrong. You all are wrong. That is red. 
This is red. The The table we're on is red. Okay, that's red. I will accept that part of it is orange, but it ain't brown. It is distinctly brown. I am immensely concerned for both of your eyes right now. There's other Predator movies? I will show you the good side of my bad. No, good hit. What? No, never mind. Some sort of bubble hotel. Thanks for listening. Bye.